So we say this a lot. So let's say she does take him to court and they show up in court and let's say they've been doing this for, uh, let's say a year. Yeah. He's got 52 emails that he presents <laughs> in court. Right. And then what does she have? 500 or, texts or thousands of texts and yes. I hate you right. badgering and you yeah. know, maybe 500 emails. I mean, who's yeah. going to look more professional and reasonable more and responsible? Sane. Yes. Right. right. It doesn't matter who you're trying to set the boundary with. It's more about your behavior than it is about the person you're trying to set the boundary with. You can expect their behavior to be acting out. It'll be well worth the three or four weeks it might take you to set this boundary and say, this is what I'm doing. What if she takes me to court? Well, she might, Mm -hmm. but if she does, what's she she going to say? (laughs) There wouldn't be much against you other than you being respectful and you're being consistent. Yeah. This is Diane Dirks. And I'm Rick Voiles. We've been working with co-parents in conflict for more than two decades. We've taught classes, written books, counseled parents, empathized, and even agonized occasionally to help people make sense of their complicated families. We were talking one day and it occurred to us that helping the most difficult cases comes down to one simple concept. Is one parent willing to let go of the tug of war rope Or is it worth it to hold on and fight? So we invite you to take this journey with us each episode as we tackle the questions, should you hold on or let it go? Welcome to Co-Parent Dilemmas, where we give you practical solutions to those impossible co-parents. Hi, Diane. Hey, Rick. How are you? (laughs) And he laughs. (laughs) Why are you laughing? (laughs) I'm doing great. You're you're having a fun time. I am having a fun time. So yes, it's good to see you again. I'm glad we're back at it too. Yes, it is June. We are also already in the sweltering heat of June. Uh, I can't believe how fast it's going. I know it's already June. I don't know. Maybe it's global warming, but the spring lasts for like a couple of weeks and then. So we go from winter to summer so quickly. We have an interesting email from Jake. I'm glad that Jake wrote this because he's telling us that he is attempting to use the email protocol that we have talked about Ah, in our podcast. Good for you. So I'm excited. We've been doing this for several months and we're now kind of hearing from people that are actually using the suggestions that we make, Mm -hmm. but they're running into some roadblocks, which is also good because that's not unusual for us, right? Nope. It's always the specific application that needs addressing. Exactly. So Jake says this, I've been attempting to use the email protocol that you guys talk about on the show, but my ex insists on texting me at random times and ignores my weekly emails. I'm the kind of person who likes structure and predictability, but she is not. She doesn't like anything that boxes her in, even the court order. Do you have any suggestions about how I can get her to use the protocol without having to go back to court? Thanks for any help you can offer. Well, this is not unusual. Yes, we get this. (laughs) Yeah. In other words, maybe it's not in your court order that you have a specific way of communicating. Some people are ordered to use a application to communicate through. There are many of them out there. 
but I'm assuming that Jake doesn't have anything like that in his court order. He's just listening to us and saying, yes, I would love that. Mm -hmm. I'm tired of answering her multiple texts every week and that gets us into a fight. And I just want to put some structure and predictability around this. And, you know, it's pretty easy in these kinds of questions to see why these two people probably aren't together anymore. (laughs) (laughs) They're very different. They approach life differently. She likes things open-ended and oftentimes, not always, but open-ended people like it open-ended because then I can control. If yeah. Close the loopholes, then I don't have as much wiggle room. And so here's Jake wanting to close the loopholes and his co-parent saying, yeah, but I'm not, I'd rather things be more dynamic and fluid. (laughs) I want access to you. Uh, Yes, exactly. (laughs) I want to be able to tell you off when I feel like Yes. (laughs) So, so what are your first thoughts about what we can say to Jake on this one? Yeah, we get this a lot, even when we assign it to people, we still have this problem. Well, first of all, you can't make her do the protocol. So it then becomes an exercise in boundaries and you consistently presenting good, healthy, divorcing boundaries. And that would be done by consistent responses back to her arbitrary texts or Mm -hmm. even ignoring the email. You still stick to it and just have some consistent boundary responses. Yeah, we tell that to people often. This isn't about getting the other parent to participate with you. This is about you deciding this is how I'm going to communicate with my co-parent. So, and we don't suggest you just start doing this without explanation. They won't understand it. And that's kind of passive aggressive, right? Oh, they'll be very suspicious. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, they typically are. We, yeah, we hear that from people. I thought that her attorney told her to do this. I was, and I was specifically not going to do it because I'm not going to have anybody's attorney telling me how to communicate with my co-parent, right? Yep. So whether you say, Jake, to her, hey, I've been listening to this podcast and this is how they suggest, or we put a link and I'll put the link in our show notes again to a document that outlines the email protocol. You can send the link to her. Hey, I saw this, thought it would be a really good way to communicate to keep us out of conflict for the sake of the children. And you send it along and she probably won't read it. And she'll (laughs) probably be like, ah, whatever. There he goes again, trying to be his usual tell me what to do to structure his life. (laughs) She, she, I'm assuming resents his need for structure. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but you don't do it to get her to do it necessarily. You're just informing her. This is how it works. This is what I'm doing. And then you begin to do it and you do it consistently. And when you explain it, you say, I'm not going to be addressing texts through the week. If I give you all the information or we give each other the information we need in our email protocol, there shouldn't be the need for that. So you'll have everything you need for the rest of your week. And I don't know, he doesn't say what kind of schedule he has with his kids, but Mm -mm. if you have a week on week off schedule, for instance, then maybe the parent who's handing the children over to the other parent does the weekly email, initiates it that week. And then the next week, the other parent initiates it if it works well, but if she won't participate, you initiate it every week. Yes. Here's what we need to know this week. Do a dentist appointment on Tuesday, baseball game on Thursday, piano lesson on Friday morning, whatever. And then you just get it out of the way and 
I'm not sure what else she would have to say to you through the week. It will take a while like any boundary does. Absolutely. Frustrated. People test the boundaries. Well, I'm going to text him on Monday morning anyway and tell him you need to respond to me right now or else I'm going to go to court. And Rick, do you just ignore or do you respond? No, we're going to respond. We're going to respond respectfully and civil, what we call professionally. And we encourage at first blush that a response says, I've got your text. I'll be glad to talk to you about that in our weekly email coming up. Yeah. So I will address this in our email on Sunday. That will probably yep. make her mad. Definitely. Boundaries usually anger people, mm-hmm. right? But you have to remain respectful. And yes. she may come back and say, well, I, this can't wait till Sunday. And then you say, I understand. And then you just drop it. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, yeah. And then respond on Sunday with the yeah, email. Yeah. Right. Now and we say get, Sunday. We say yeah, Sunday. Whatever it could be, night. Right. Yeah, whatever that, night you choose. That's the right. example we always use. Yes. And she might get out of control for a day. And now this is exactly why I divorced you. And, you know, and all the stuff that they use to trigger you. And then you really have to know how to resist that. So I don't know what else to say about that, Rick. Do you? Well, I want to encourage everybody. They're going to have to deal with a little bit of conflict here up front because they're going to fight your healthy boundary. But if you stick to it, that conflict will go away. If you don't stick to it, you'll have that conflict forever. A lot of people end up thinking that, okay, I don't want to have a conflict, so I'm just going to give in to them. That way they calm down and I don't have to deal with the fight or the argument. That's conflict avoidance. That's not conflict resolution. When you set that boundary, you will have to endure some conflict from this other person. They're testing that boundary. So for you to ever get out of that conflict for good is for you to keep presenting that boundary over and over. So you're going to go through some stress at the beginning. But if you don't, you're going to have stress for a lifetime. Something just came into my head. I don't know if this is appropriate or not. But when I used to counsel or coach young parents, and they would have a three-year-old or five-year-old who wouldn't sleep in their own bed, they would say, oh, we try, we do this, we do that. We wait till they fall asleep and then they wake up and I'm not there and they cry and they're just tired of their five-year-old sleeping in the bed with them. And I remember I used to have a written protocol out about that and it wasn't very long. It was like, okay, night one, expect to get no sleep (laughs) because night one, they're going to come in your room at nine, at 10, at 11, at midnight, at two, at four, (laughs) six. And every time they come in, you walk them back to their room, kiss them, hug them, lay down, rub their back a little bit and say, you need to stay in your own bed. And then they cry. And then you go back to bed and then they come get you. And it's hard. Yes. Second night, probably similar. Third night, probably similar. Uh-huh. So when you start this, don't plan anything important for three uh-huh. days. <laughs> because you're not going to get any No big major decisions. <laughs> but do you know what happens, Rick? What happens? The five-year-old gets tired Uh and they eventually sleep all night and then they wake up and go, what? (laughs) (laughs) And then the parent goes, what's happening? (laughs) They slept all night in their bed because you out 
you last them. You out outlasted them, right? Yes. And although this isn't the same, <laughs> you're not dealing with a three year old. Well, maybe sometimes you are. <laughs> But that's kind of how boundaries work. If you stay consistent, kind, respectful, confident, Mm -hmm. the other person is not going to like it, but eventually they will come around. I say this to married couples who need to put a boundary out there with their own parents. In-laws can really be a problem in new marriages and like set your boundary. Oh, but yet my, my mom will stop speaking to me. Well, she might for a few days, but from what I know about mothers yes. <laughs> who desperately want a relationship with their children, she'll be back mm-hmm. and maybe she'll respect your boundary because you have remained confident and respectful and resolute and firm, right? Yes. So I think it doesn't matter who you're trying to set the boundary with. It's more about your behavior than it is about the person you're trying to set the boundary with. You can expect their behavior to act be acting out. Can you tolerate that? Well, yeah, you can tolerate a lot for the end result. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily like yard work, but I do it Mm. because I like the result. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So there's many things in life that takes hard work that you do it, but you do it because there's a result at the end that you're looking for. Same thing here. It'll be well worth the three or four weeks it might take you, Jake, to set this boundary and say, this is what I'm doing. What if she takes me to court? Well, she might, Mm -hmm. but if she does, I don't know that any attorney would take that case. Right. What's she she going to say? There wouldn't be much against you other than you being respectful and you're being consistent. Yeah. Structured consistency, which is something you always talk about, Rick. So yeah, you have to kind of get rid of those fears that you have about what might happen and instead become confident about what should be happening. And that's you getting on with your life so that you can only deal with your co-parent when necessary and have your life. So we say this a lot. So let's say she does take him to court and they show up in court and let's say they've been doing this for, uh, let's say a year before they get a court date. Yeah. He's got 52 emails that he presents (laughs) in court. Right. And then what does she have? 500 texts or thousands of texts and I hate you (laughs) badgering and 500 emails. I mean, who's going to look more professional and reasonable and responsible? Yes. Right. Right. Now let's not minimize the frustration of what it feels like to have somebody badgering you and accusing you and all that. But at the same time, it's just good to learn how to do that with many people in your life. Yes. You know? So maybe Jake, this is something you need to learn just for you personally, for all relationships that I can set boundaries in service of myself, as long as it's a reasonable boundary. And what you're talking about is reasonable Yeah. You know, to not have to talk every day and get into a fight every day. That's just going to release mm. cortisol into your body and you're no. going to end up with all kinds of health issues. Right. So there's, many, many reasons to not engage in that kind of conflict, including your own health. So I don't know, Rick, I just think even if she texts him, there ought to be some sentences that he puts in his phone notes 
yes. that he copies and pastes. Mm-hmm. So when she texts him on Monday morning, even though he sent her a Sunday night email that she didn't read mm-hmm. and says, Hey, what about this? Or what about that? He just needs to say, thank you for your message. Please read the email that I sent to you last night at nine o'clock. Yep. Refer to the email. Yep. Yeah. And then she comes back and says, well, I deleted it. And we'll have another Pat responds that says, well, in the future, please don't delete these. These will be the only communication that you will get from me (laughs) for the week. Right. Occasionally, and especially in the beginning, she may need information because she's not reading the emails and it's okay to do that once. I don't have the dentist phone number. I don't know the dentist's name, blah, blah, blah. Okay. I put that in my last week's email when I was preparing for this coming week. Here it is, but please save the emails because I won't be giving this out to you again. (laughs) So you're kind of training them slowly that this is how I'm going to do it. And then when she comes back a month later, well, I don't have that orthodontist number. Please refer to previous emails. Emails. Find it there. And so, you know, having those pat responses keeps you from wanting to say what you'd really like to say, which is <laughs> stop bothering me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so they're going to keep pressing, right? Yeah. And one of the nice things about using what we have already printed out is it represents an objective outside source. I mean, we've based on our years of experience and we've seen this work many, many, many times. Then the fact that you're saying, okay, I'm only going to address emails isn't something you've made up. It's professionals with best practices. So you have an an objective source to rely on, but they're still going to push back. We have an allowance for emergencies. I will answer texts and I will send texts in emergencies. But then the real question we end up with, what constitutes an emergency? Mm -hmm. And usually somebody else's inability to organize or plan or schedule Mm -hmm. ahead is not an emergency. And that becomes one way in which I could see her pressing back. She'd come up with some emergency with the kids. That's really not an emergency. It's just her poor planning. And now she's expecting you to rescue her. Yeah. And this whole protocol is not about getting the other person to become better or more organized. It's about you saying, this is as far as I'm going to go. I'll meet you halfway. You decide whether you're going to meet me in the middle or not, Mm -hmm. but I'm doing what I need to do. This is my boundary. Um, Right. The only other concern I have, Rick, is about those times when you can anticipate that if you don't answer it, it's going to create stress or frustration for the children. Okay. Can you think of times when that might be the case? Well, I could see, for example, let's say the game was rained out, let's say the soccer game was rained out and they've planned to reschedule it. And you sent it in your email in the FYI section. They did not read it. They show up at the field. Nobody's there. And the child's going to be late or miss the game. Mm-hmm. And they're texting you for the address. Yes. It's not an emergency, but that child's life is going to be harder on many different levels, team commitment and things like that. So I would answer it not because it's an emergency, but I would use, like you said, it was in the email. I will send it to you again this one time, but please 
keep referring yes. to the emails. Yes. Yep. So you have to be careful that it doesn't sound condescending. I, mean, I always have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you stupid idiot. Now just read my emails and you'll get all the answers you need. Had you, know. you read my email. Now, you know. that doesn't mean that someone wouldn't take it as condescending just because you're mm. referring them back to the email. But you can, and this is hardest for most people, easier for me as an objective person. But when you're in it, it's hard to be nice. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry you didn't see that in the email. Yeah, here's the address. Yeah, well, that's so much better. <laughs> <laughs> and what people usually say to us when I suggest that kind of tone. Uh-huh. She doesn't deserve that kind of kindness from me. Oh. And that may be true, but I think all of us could benefit from that kind of kindness regardless, right? What you're doing is you're taking excuses away. That's how I always look at it. How can I take the excuse away that she's going to have that I'm being condescending? I'm just going to kill her with kindness. Mm. What harm is there? Oh, I'm sorry. You didn't see my email last night. Here it is again. Please, like I said before, please look at those emails and save them. There's important information there. Yeah. Now that can be taken as condescending, Mm -hmm. even when you say, I'm sorry. You can't help how people interpret things. That's not the the thing. So do everything you can. So it's as kind as you can possibly be. I always say, like, play dumb. Pretend like you don't know they're manipulative. Okay. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And if you pretend like you don't know that, then you can just treat them like you would a total stranger who's saying, oh, I forgot that address. Oh, oh, sorry. Maybe it was my bad, but here it is again. And please read those emails because I usually put those kinds of things in the emails. Uh And you'll realize that you'll feel a lot better about yourself when you take that tone. Yeah, that's the main thing. You're not doing it because of them. You're doing it because it's who you are. Right. Right. You're living out your own values. And for some people, that's really hard because that's just not how they treat anybody. They're just to the point, factual. They don't mm-hmm. use a lot of fluff language. I get that. Mm-hmm. But everybody has the capacity for kindness, especially in our world today. We just need that. I don't care if it's your ex or your best friend or your worst enemy. Just be kind. And you'll find that when you are, you're just happier. Yes. Be kind. Instead of flipping the bird to some guy in traffic, just wave and smile. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Diane, you're you're suggesting that the skills that we're teaching with this impossible co-parent could actually have an impact on our culture? It could. (laughs) That's why I do this podcast. I'm out to change the world. (laughs) I'm there with you. Let's go. So I guess how I really want to end this is to say that, of course, there's going to be situations where you should answer the text because it will save your child some stress. Mm -hmm. We don't know how your child's going to interpret what's happening between you and the other parent through a text, but you consistently point them back to the email protocol more often and give less information when it's not needed. If it has nothing to do with your child, your child's not present at the time to witness all the stress, then be very firm about it. I know you don't like this, but this is how I've chosen to do it so I can move on with my life. Yes. And you just copy and paste that over and over and over until such time you take away the reward 
of them sucking you in to their orbit. Yeah. That's why you left. Yeah. Once the reward is gone or they've moved on to another victim (laughs) to (laughs) harass, right? Mm -hmm. Then it doesn't have the same impact for them. And hopefully they'll just acquiesce and you keep, but even if they don't and they keep doing what they're doing and you keep doing what you're doing, like you said, Rick, if this ends up back in court, who looks reasonable? Yes. Who looks crazy? I mean, judges do care about that stuff. You know? <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. And they're thinking, what? Who, who is this? What is your problem? And then they might send them to anger management or they might send them off to a therapist. That's not going to change them either, but at least the court will start to recognize that there's an issue here. And yes, that'll only be in your favor. Very good. Okay. Well, thank you, Jake. Yes. Thanks, email. Jake. And we hope that the rest of you, if you have a dilemma that you will contact us, including professionals, I'd like to hear from some more professionals with you, Rick. Yes. Some attorneys, some therapists, divorce coaches. We want to hear what your dilemmas are as well with your clients. Absolutely. Okay. See you next week, everybody. See you next week. Bye. This message is for all of our non-impossible parents out there. Would you like to continue the discussion with us about this episode? One way to do that is to join our Non-Impossibles Facebook page. You'll also find some really cool Non-Impossible merchandise on our Facebook podcast page. Links to both pages are included in the show notes, so check it out. The information contained in this podcast is generic. It must not be misconstrued as constituting legal or psychological advice. Decisions relevant to any specific individual, family system, or case require the direct evaluation of skilled, child-centered professionals. 